Hello, and welcome to Movement, the Science of the Self. I'm your host, Ergi Pongo, and my calling is to explore movement and identity as they relate to body image and self-image. On this podcast, we share transformational stories from people in the field of movement science. We have conversations about healing and strengthening. Plus, we connect with people who have unique relationships with their bodies. If you're interested in discovering how movement science can impact your relationship with your body, we invite you to book a free consultation with Pongo Power Personal Training. Pongo Power will provide you with a complimentary movement analysis and goal setting session through understanding how our bodies move, our lives are transformed. Welcome to Movement, the Science of the Self. I'm your host, Elizabeth Pongo, founder of Pongo Power, and I am so excited to welcome to the podcast today, Jill Cruz. Welcome, Jill. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So Jill, you hold a master's of science and you're also a certified nutrition specialist. Those are some high credentials. Before we get into the show, what had you seek out that level of education? Are you, it sounds like you must be interested in science or how did you go down that route? It's a big commitment. I'm just a psychology major from Middlebury College. That's it. Oh, well, you know, we all have our paths. Uh, I was very interested in being a nutritionist and I wanted to pursue um, a master of science in nutrition as opposed to various other avenues that one could take to call themselves a nutritionist, especially in New York. The, the laws are a little lax. So I, I really was interested in the science, the biochemistry, uh, especially behind, you know, we, we call it nutrition science. So I, I, I didn't want to just be practicing from, hey, you know, uh, I like bone broth and, uh, you know, <laughs> this worked for me, so it should work for everybody. I really wanted to learn the science behind it. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Um, I find as a personal trainer, just knowing that what I'm recommending to people is evidence-based and, you know, the partnership you can build when you're sharing something that's so rooted in reality is kind of exciting because, you know, you're guaranteed to get results when you're applying a practice that's protocol-based and evidence-based. This is all to say that at the same time, you know, when we're talking about movement and the science of the self, um, we are met with these different aspects of self-image and body image within that intersection that we call identity. And so um, I am of the understanding that you recently have acquired a new certification. And what is that? That is, I am certified by the Conscious Living Institute as what they call a big leap coach. And so that's a year long program uh, where, yeah, pretty much 95% of the work is working on yourself. And uh, so now I apply that in our practice, uh, in our work, in my work, in our work with clients to bring in a lot more of, of what we were, you and I were talking about earlier, the behavioral psychology and the identity piece is huge. So conscious living is really about uh, understanding yourself. That's, that's a huge part of it and not denying who you are, but 
accepting it and being with it. And I think that's where the magic happens, because if you're not really clear on who you are and what your purpose is and your creative genius in the world, mm-hmm. uh, I think you're probably not as happy. And and, so, and all of us are on a journey of discovering that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's really important to tap into that and understand who you are, what what's really, really important to you. And um and to live an authentic life with high integrity. So that's just a little bit of what, <laughs> of the work that we do. <laughs> yeah, and it's such an interesting era that we're living in. Like, ha- as we transition from the pandemic to the endemic mm-hmm. portion of this really tragic period of time, I think that so many of us, you know, we had to be in survival mode. And then also based on just, you know, the demands of modern life, being in survival mode, it sort of, it sort of alters your perception of, I mean, it can, not everybody, certain people are trained to function best when they're in survival mode. But I do think that switching, you know, from the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system, you know, switching from being in fight flight to being in heal, rest, recovery, digest, you know, that is like such an important skill nowadays uh, that is actually rooted in science that, right. <laughs> that, that we can use, you know, given different practices that we adapt in our lives. And, and so um, is your new, is the Big Leap coaching certification, does that help people with that aspect of, of the daily human existence? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, well, first of all, uh, I really emphasize to people that if you are in that fear state, that fear is not our enemy. It's there for a reason. And and also we can't really control it. So fear is going to come. Yeah. (laughs) And so a lot of our suffering comes from, no, you know, I don't want to feel that feeling. And so part of the work is really saying, you know, this is just part of the human existence is being afraid. It's built into our nervous system, literally. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's there for a reason. Um, but you know, how do you cope? Cause you obviously don't want to be cowering in the corner all the time. You want to live your life and, and enjoy your life. So as a matter of fact, we have four, well, actually I would say five practices. One of them is breath work. Uh, to, to kind of, you know, okay, so I'm afraid right now. I feel it in my body. Where am I feeling it in my body? And let me just breathe into it. I'm not trying to get rid of it. I'm just going to be present with it. And then there are four actually movements Hmm. that we, um, invite people to do to kind of move through some of those fears and each movement corresponds with a fear response. So fight was one that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. right? And Fight isn't always, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to beat you up. Sometimes fight is just, oh, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily like start physical fights, but, but there's a fight, you know, being angry. Energy. You know? Yeah. So there's a movement. We call it the, the, um, the, uh, not the wobble. I'm not, I'm forgetting the name of it right now, the, whatever this is. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. So you're just kind of like, you're just, um, ooze. That's what it's called. It's ooze. Ooze. Mm. You're just kind of oozing your body. Oh, that does feel, this is a relief to ooze. Yeah. 
It feels really good. And another one, another, like I tend to flee, right? So we say flight, but flee is the term that we use. So rather than fleeing, it's called root. And you just really root yourself down and you kind of plant your feet in the ground. And it's like, I'm not going to run away from this. I'm going to face my fear. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot around um, fear. (laughs) Grounding yourself and connecting to your body and then being able to be present with the circumstances you're in instead of avoidance modality or trying to just, you know, cope. That's how we go from coping, survival, fear-based choices to thriving and like enjoyment and pleasure, uh, which is, you know, I think the United States kind of gets a bad rap for being hedonistic and just wanting our entertainment but let's face it, that's the human condition. Like that's, that's been going on forever. And I think that like allowing ourselves not to feel guilty for like to, to be free, to have the freedom to experience joy. That's actually, I feel like a life's work. It's absolutely a life's work. And the other thing that's so cool is that actually fear is our friend partially because it's always with us. So it might as well be friends with it, but uh, you know, it comes and goes, but it's, it's pretty consistent in our lives, but also it's there for a reason. Like I'm afraid of something because there's something that's really, really important to me. Mm. Right. So like, if I hear that my daughter is dating some boy that I'm not too keen on, Mm -hmm. what's actually happening is that I'm afraid that she's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but what's really going on is that I love her and I want her to be happy. Mm-hmm. So if you really go into fear and you examine it, you're going to find that, um, uh, you're, you're going to learn so much about yourself, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I recently heard like a trigger is a treasure and, mm-hmm. and, when you hear that, when you're not in the right, right mindset, it sounds so yeah. lofty, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. let's face it. Like, um, there's, there's like a piece of coal can become a diamond and, right. you know, the Buddhists used to say life is a dried shit stick, you know, like <laughs> the nature of life is not that everything is pretty and glossy right. all the time. And so why yeah. not embrace the, the difficulties and the yeah, and that's how we grow. That is literally yeah. how we grow. And we, and we find out that I think the most exciting part is that you're learning about yourself and you're discovering things. It's like, I know, and talking about like who I am, right? You, you, the self, the identity is like, I, I know who I am in large part because I'm facing those fears and I'm learning mm-hmm. about myself. Like this, my children are very, very important to me. Yeah. I know that in every fiber of my being. Mm-hmm. So that's part of who I am. Right. And, and you embrace it. So, oh yeah. So, so that's who you are now. So what was your sense of self and identity as a child? Well, it, you know, I've done in part of, of doing work on yourself currently is kind of looking back at yourself as a child. <laughs> right? It's a big part of it. And so I was a very free spirit and I was very gregarious and I, um, 
you know, now I look back and I realize that I was, and I think we all are, but, you know, for my, in my own way, I was very powerful Mm. and that was not very well received Mm. in the world. (laughs) So I, you know, distinctly have memories of dampening that kind of wild nature that I had, that gregariousness, that loud, fun, playful, um, that, you know, unfortunately, and I think we all can have our stories around this, right? Those moments when like your soul dies, it doesn't really die, but it kind of feels like that as a child, right? Yeah. So, you know, I had a, I had a nice childhood. Like I really, I, I don't have, uh, any, any horrible traumas that occurred happened to me. So I'm, I'm super appreciative of that, but, you know, there were moments when I felt like "Mm, I can't be myself. Mm -hmm. And that I think slowly chipped away at me to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. you know, into my teenage years. And then you realize when you're a teenager, you have to look a certain way, you you know, you got to wear makeup. I I was never good at that stuff. (laughs) 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 You know, I'll tell you a secret about me. I adapted my makeup routine. Like when I was like 27, 26, I have never changed it. Well, you look beautiful, so it's okay. (laughs) You're doing a good job. It's the exercise. (laughs) It's definitely like, you know, and it's also all, we all know this by now with all of these cameras and cell phones, like it's all lighting, it's all angles. Like, you know, I could take a photo of myself from this angle and I would look like a different person. So, you know, it's it's really been a, um, a lot of self-discovery for me not to criticize myself and not to be really hard on myself when it comes to my my um, exterior. And then though the worst part of all was when I felt I had become so committed to my exterior that it was fake. And, and Pongo Power is a, a personal training community that's completely dedicated to creating a safe space for people to exercise effectively. And so we don't have a lot of mirrors that could trigger body dysmorphic disorder. And we really focus on form and technique and, mm-hmm. and health. And so, um, so this is all to say that, yes, it, it's this lifelong journey to feel uh, comfortable, I think, in our skins and, yeah. and not disown parts of ourselves. And so you felt you have, you said you have distinct memories of having to dampen down your personality and then sort of like you had to create something from this dampened perspective. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I just wasn't uh, fully myself, like especially in high school, in junior high, forget it. I mean, I just didn't fit in. (laughs) It was just a mess. I don't know what I was doing then, <laughs> but then, you know, you get a little older and you're like, okay, I'm going to develop this persona of like the cool girl who parties and, you know, whatever it was, was that I developed about myself. But I have to say that, um, I think that I was able to, uh, like, I think we all care about what other people think of us and that probably never goes away, but on the, on the scale of caring what people think about you, I was very much on the side of like, I really don't care what people think about me, but obviously I did care. Right. But I kind of was a little bit of like, uh, you know, anti, um, 
you know, like the, the, the typical norm of like the American society, I was always like against everything that had anything to do with that. So, wow. you know, if everybody was wearing pink, I wanted to wear black. If, you know, if, if it was cool to like certain types of music, I wanted to like the other, t- you know, I, I was sort of like trying to go against the grain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it all worked out in the end. I had fun. And then I actually moved to Japan when I was pretty young. I went to Japan wow. when I was uh, 21. And that was very interesting because in that society, uh, women are supposed to be demure and quiet and small. I mean, the smaller you are, the better. <laughs> and I'm tall in Japan. You know, I'm 5'7 and yeah. loud and loud American. So I also t- you know, over throughout my twenties, lived there for seven years and kind of dampened down some of that as well, which now I'm like, I'm bringing it all out. (laughs) I'm going to be myself and, you know, um, and I'm going to live my life exactly as I want it to, but definitely from a place of love and affection and compassion and want really, 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 truly wanting to connect with other people. Like, like my soul to your soul or, or whatever you want to call that inner part of us. That's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Your life force, like that spark, whatever that energy is inside us that we all share, as long as we're conscious and alive, like that, that is what turns you on right now and that you're excited by and, and you're tuning into, which is so cool. Yeah, it makes life so much more fun because um, we all come from different backgrounds. So I may be interacting with someone who was the the annoying popular girl, the annoying, you know, to me, that was what it was. Right. And who now I can just say, you know, you're a human being and you have you have that beautiful soul or core essence or pure consciousness. And I have it too. And we can connect that way. It doesn't really matter if you're a Republican and I'm a Democrat or you're, you know, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just connect as human beings. Mm-hmm. That to me is, um, it makes life a lot easier, actually, because mm-hmm. I'm not fighting, uh, you know, try, I'm trying not to. I mean, this is all, this is all a, pr- a practice. <laughs> so I'm a work in progress. <laughs> Yeah, that amen, sister. <laughs> yeah. And so it sounds like the first time you realized you were separate from your parents, you really embraced alternative, like countercultural choices. And then you went away to Japan and discovered, you know, other ways of being that did or did not suit you. And then how did that lead you to become? Uh, a nutritionist how did that lead you to found your business you know which is about like hedonistic pleasurable nutrition and you know maintaining a healthy body weight that's right for you how like where was the where was that how did that journey begin when did you first start discovering you would want to study nutrition well, I think that ultimately I could even go back to when I was a kid and, and we had a garden and my mom was very, very health conscious in the seventies, you know, when it wasn't cool to have 
you know, homemade bread and a slice of like farmer cheese and you bring that to school with you, you know? <laughs> so I, you know, we, that, that health consciousness stuff was the, the seeds were planted young for me. And then, you know, when I was in high school, I was, I was like, oh, I can drink Coca-Cola. Like I, you know, it was, it, I, I kind of went the other way for a while and ate at McDonald's a lot. And then I, and then I kind of came back, but I think from my childhood, the two lessons that I got were one, um, valuing your body, like taking care of your body with nutrition and, and sleep and those sorts of things. But also my grand, my family's Italian. So we would go to my grandmother's house every Sunday and there would be this huge meal with homemade pasta and sausage and wine and bread. And, you know, it was, it was much more about the pleasure than from a health conscious perspective, you know? So I have both of those things kind of woven into me, I think. And, and that's part of the reason that I value the, I value both. Like you can nourish your body properly, but if you're miserable or you're just not having a good time, yeah. uh, that's not to me like a truly kind of holistic picture of health. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, it's definitely not sustainable. And that's the, that's, you know, a really important detail. (laughs) Oh, you know, well, if you can do this for a month, well, no, because then what happens, you know, you want to go back to what you were doing before. Mm -hmm. But I also, two other things was that I did develop um, what I used to call a bad nighttime eating habit, but I've come to terms with to actually just say out loud that it, 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 is an addiction was an addiction. Uh Um, and that started when I was pregnant with my first daughter and, uh, I've, I've overcome it in the sense that I I feel like it's like an autoimmune condition or or any other addiction, you kind of live with it. And, and it's a question of, you know, your actions, day-to-day actions, like, are you acting on that impulse or not? So, um, now I'm in that place where I can, you know, I don't do that, but, um, Uh, That was a big lesson for me that took me about 15 years to figure out. (laughs) So that was that was part of my journey of becoming a nutritionist. (laughs) Excuse me. But I also I was I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is Mm -hmm. an autoimmune condition of the thyroid Mm -hmm. uh, when my daughter Belle was seven. So that really set me on the journey of, okay, I want to go to school for this. I want to really learn this stuff and I want to figure out how I can help myself be the the healthiest I can. Uh, so all of those things kind of converged, but it wasn't until I really figured out that nighttime eating that I wanted to help people with um, what I call healthy, sustainable, joy- joyous, or joyful weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really, I really am interested. And to me, it's like <laughs> your weight where you feel comfortable, that is entirely up to you. Mm-hmm. Entirely up to you. Like I, I don't, I don't have come in with a predisposition, a preconception of, well, if your BMI is this, then you're, you know, you're going to be unhealthy. I'm like, you know what, do what makes you feel good. So that's, that's definitely been my approach because I I know how hard it is to practice these things in, in day-to-day life. So it's a journey. Mm -hmm. That's why really taking into account our own preferences, you know, is so important Um, But when it comes to compulsive eating or any kind of addictive habit, um, the the toughest part, and a friend of mine has an autoimmune disease, is when you you want to eat something so badly, but it could trigger that response. It could trigger addictive, it could be a trigger food. 
It could be whether it's addiction, compulsion, or in my case, overeating and then purging, or maybe you eat gluten and you love it, but it triggers, you know, all these different physiological responses, being able to take that apart and, and find pleasure without the compulsion. It's it's really a fine, fine art. Yes. (laughs) It sounds like that's what you provide. Like you walk people, you help, you hold people's hand on that journey. If, is that true? Yeah, that's a big part of what we do. And and I like to use the term, and you'll like this because it involves movement, um, (laughs) dancing the fine line between thriving and striving. Oh, yeah. So, (laughs) so, you know, I think it's very important to to thrive, which, which I consider just appreciating all the efforts that you've made. Even if you still have those health conditions or that addiction, you've made progress and, and like just stop for a moment and say, wow, I've come this far and and I'm just going to appreciate everything that's going on right now. So that's to me like thriving, kind of like stop and smell the roses type of thing. But striving is also important, right? Because if we're just, um, you know, kind of like, well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fine where I am. I don't need to do any better. Um, and if you truly feel that, that's great. But I think a lot of people are like, well, you know, I'd like to have more energy or I'd like to sleep better, or I would like to, to have more, um, lean muscle, you know, lean tissue on my body. So those are all things that you can strive for, but having that balance between the two, because I'm sure, you know, working in a, with, with physical fitness is a lot of people come in and they're overtraining, they're doing too much. And now it's stressing out their body. Mm-hmm. And, and we have this with nutrition too. People come in and they're like, and it is kind of a little bit of like disordered eating behavior of like, well, um, you know, it's gotta be perfect. If mm-hmm. I have that piece of gluten, now I'm going to feel guilty for two weeks. It's like, it's okay. You know, it's a journey. We're all on the, we're all, you know, working on this together, but to you know, enjoy the process and have, you know, your specific things that you commit to, like, I'm going to drink more water. Mm-hmm. So that means you're making progress. You're striving. Mm-hmm. So I like to kind of get that balance. But back to what you said also about the mindset with um, addictive behavior or just desiring a food that you know is going to trigger a bad reaction in your body. Um, that is a that is a challenging place to be. It's very complex because everybody's individual mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I do think that we I love to really encourage our clients to satiate themselves in other ways, mm-hmm. because food is very satiating. It's very available and it's wonderful to enjoy it. And we can also satiate ourselves with so many other things that are mm-hmm. equally wonderful. So a lot of time I know for me, a lot of my issue was around boredom. I mean, sure. it was as simple as that, like like I'm watching a TV show and I'm like antsy and bored and oh, I'm going to eat. So how can I satiate myself to feel that satisfaction, real satisfaction too, right? Non, non, I don't feel bad afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, a lot of that was, was physical movement activity and also meditation, but that's me. Mm-hmm. everybody's different. You know, I have a client, she finishes work and she's so frustrated, but the first thing she does that we came up together with, she goes and she takes a nice long, hot shower mm. and she just feels so much better after she does that. So she, now she's not going to go to the kitchen and try to eat her frustration away. 
Totally. Or the other common thing is I'm going to have a glass of wine or a beer, which is lovely. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, one glass of wine, like in watching the sunset. I'm not trying to say like alcohol is evil. Um, I think it's really about developing consciousness around the choice so that we have different choices we can make at different times. And it feels like freedom rather than you're sort of like locked into one or two things you're just doing to find relief. And, um, and so feeling that sense of freedom where you're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm going to take a hot shower. It, it, It sometimes takes a couple of conversations to discover that for yourself so that it truly feels fulfilling and not like somebody told you to do like some piece of advice, like, well, can't you just do blah, 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 blah. You'll feel so much better. No one likes that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the shower was her idea. That was not my idea. I, I, I think, I mean, it's pretty much not even realistic to consider that I could begin to imagine what would be satisfying to you when I speak with you. So <laughs> it would be, it would be more of a conversation of, well, you know, what do you think would make you feel good? Or would help you feel less frustrated, you know, whatever the situation is. And Pete, I've I've never had to give anybody an idea. They always come up oh. with it themselves. They're like, oh, I think I, you know, I had a client, she loved to puzzle. Oh. So that was her. She was like, I'm gonna, I'm going to turn off the TV and I'm gonna do my puzzle instead of leaving the TV on and eating the Cheez-Its. Yeah. <laughs> For me, that during the pandemic, I've discovered reading again. I I used to be such a reader when I was a kid. And then as I became an adult, I just was on my phone so often and on the computer so often. I didn't feel like I had time to read, but being able to just find pleasure in reading a book is so magical for me. So, and without this pivot that we've all experienced, I I don't, I'm sure I would have discovered, rediscovered reading again at some point, but Anyway, yeah, you really have to be open to being in the healing modality to discover these things. Yeah, yeah. The commitment has to be there for sure. Yeah. Um, And it's sometimes the commitment is scary, but it's actually in a way the easiest part because you just have to say it. You just have to say the words. You know, I I commit. Like, you know, for me, I I commit to, I'm committed to uh, taking care of my body in a loving way. Mm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. What does that mean for me? Well, it means different things on different days. <laughs> and then I have little, little smaller goals that I kind of set for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I work. It just, it takes a lot of the pressure off of you. If you have this overall thing, like, I just want to be healthy. I just want to take care of my body, you know, something kind of more general. Mm-hmm. And then you make those smaller, tiny, tiny commitments. And I tell you, a lot of our clients, we start off with like a movement can you just commit to five minutes a day, even if it's three days a week, I want you to dance to your favorite song or take a walk. You know, what, what, what is people like those two things. They either like to dance or walk. Yeah. So just do that. Just do that and just get started and and you can always build on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. It's really about like, kind of bringing together different aspects of our personality so that we can be a whole person and not just, you know, uh, like a robot who processes information going through the computer age. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So um, now one thing I find interesting about your business is that you're very clear that it's about weight loss. Um, How do you respond to the current zeitgeist of like health at every size and, um, you know, being fat phobic, um, you know, just accepting ourselves, how we are, do people, do you feel like you need to respond to the modern culture of, um, you know, kind of disavowing weight loss? Yes, yes. And ultimately, I do believe that weight loss should always be a byproduct of improved health. Right. So, you know, I mean, I we work with people sometimes and their bodies kind of holding on to the extra fat tissue and they they don't maybe don't lose. You know, we're, we're very much into gradual, gradual, gradual weight loss. Um, and they may lose 10 pounds in six months and, and, but they're super happy because they feel better and they, they have more energy, you know, like you, you could lose weight in an unhealthy way and you can lose weight in a super balanced, healthy, fun, pleasurable way. That's where we're going with this. So the goal really is improved health. Mm. And, but a lot of people identify with, Hey, I want to lose weight. So, um, there are there is enough evidence to show that having a lot of extra body fat can increase your risk for certain chronic diseases. I mean, obesity itself is a chronic, it is classified as a chronic disease. Like you have a a diagnosis code for obesity as you would for type two diabetes or cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. So there is that reality that's there. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, people should do whatever they want but if if somebody feels like they want to lose that body fat, then I'm going to help them do that in the most healthy, fun, uh, you know, beautiful way possible. So I'm actually here to get rid of all the crap that's out there in the weight loss industry. I am I am so against you know all the fad diets and the the body dysmorphia feeding stuff that goes on. I think you should define what, what beauty means to you, what health means to you. Mm -hmm. And if you want help with that, I'm here to help you. And we do have people who come and they're like, look, I want more energy. I want to be able to get on the floor with my grandchildren. I want to walk. I want to move. As a matter of fact, one of the biggest um, goals or desires that people come to us with is I want to move more freely. Yes. Without pain. So I'm here to help you do that. Yeah. However, you know, however it works for you, we're going to do it together. Um, but I, I do believe like um, Lizzo is a you know a popular um, singer. I love her music, and I admire her because the thing is, whether you're thin or you have extra body fat, or I don't care if you have a big nose, a small nose, you're tall, you're short, it doesn't matter. The most important thing I think in happiness is really accepting who you are and where you're at. And that's, we actually use that as a tool. So, you know, even our clients who are coming pretty self-aware, I have it, I have it. I have this kind of non wanting to accept like, oh, you know, on Wednesday night, I went into the city, I had two pieces of pizza. I normally would never do that. So I can get up the next day and feel guilty about it and beat myself up. Oh, I'm a nutritionist. I should know better. (laughs) Or I can just accept the fact that I ate the pizza Mm -hmm. and move on. So we work a lot in the realm of acceptance. 
So Mm. if you're 350 pounds or you're 150 pounds, it doesn't matter. You're worthy of love. You're worthy of health. You're worthy of of having the most wonderful life that you possibly can. And that's what I want to help people with. Mm. (laughs) I I felt the passion there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I love the question. It's a good question. A sense of of like vitality, you know, we especially coming out of this era, this, you know, it's so sad and so tragic. um, And, and. And then, you know, there's just so much in the world that that there's so much suffering. There's so much serious yeah. stuff going on. And taking care of ourselves is one of the best ways we can give back and contribute and help out with what's going on in the world. And, yes. and so it it really is, it's a really lovely byproduct. Feeling healthy, yeah. um, you know, the sense of having energy, um, decreasing pain in the body. These are all ways that we can heal so that we can connect with others. Because when we are so stuck in our own wheels of samsara and suffering, um, it's really hard to connect with other people. And and that can also lead to isolation and loneliness. Yeah. so, so yeah, it's, it's all about consciousness really. And I know that when I was bulimic, if somebody told me that, you know, all these things about leading your best life or consciousness, I, I might've really resented it because, yeah. because yeah. when you're going through something and healing from a trauma, um, you know, it's really hard to make space in your mind for just accepting where we are now and, and, and then allowing ourselves to feel our feelings and communicate our feelings so that we can continue on the journey of healing. And, and it sounds like you're really right there with people doing that every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I think that the important thing is that the person is coming to us. We're not going to them. Mm -hmm. So they're ready for that. Most of our clients are ready. They're in a place. I've had many people say that to me, you know, a year ago, I never would have been, I was, I couldn't have done this, but now I'm ready. So people know, I mean, they really know when they're ready to do that. But um, yeah, so I, I totally I understand that there, there are definitely times in our lives when we're just like, no, no, thank you. I'm just surviving. I'm just surviving over here. Okay. <laughs> Don't come at me with all that positivity stuff, you know, <laughs> but you know, I mean, part of the thing that I think is so beautiful is that for so long, I thought I had to be positive. Like if I wanted good things to happen in my life, I had to be positive. And now I'm like, you know what, if I'm angry, I'm going to be angry. If I'm sad, I'm going to feel that sadness and that it's, it's like magic though, because when you allow yourself to feel those emotions, they lose their power over you. Right. It's like, we're trying to push them down. It's almost (laughs) like, you know, you're trying to like push water into a glass that's full. Like it's, it's going to come out and you're, you're suffering a lot. If you just let the water come out, it becomes less of a problem. That's probably not the best uh, analogy. No, I think it's exactly <laughs> said. I mean, it's, I also, someone once said to me that feelings are like vegetables. They're best fresh. And if you, 
if you push them down, it's like compost. It will lead to something <sighs> later, but at the time it's going to be kind of smelly and you're going to have to go through something before oh, I love that. the other side, the new vegetable. That's great. Can I, I'm going to borrow that one. Jill, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining Movement, the Science of the Self. And I've enjoyed every minute of our conversation today. Me too. It's been absolutely a pleasure. And I feel like you and I have so, we're so aligned with all of this stuff. It's, it's, it's fun. It's like a roller coaster. I love it. Thank you. But not the scary kind. Right. <laughs> the kitty, okay. the kitty kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a great weekend and, and I'll see you out there in the world another time. Thank you, Jill. Okay. Hey, thank you for tuning into the show and listening. If you're interested in understanding how your body moves, Pongo Power offers a complimentary fitness assessment and goal-setting session. This 55-minute appointment is completely free, and you can do it through the magic of Zoom in the comfort of your own home. Just book online by heading over to freefitnessassessment.pongopower.com. I've been a personal trainer for 20 years, and I've helped hundreds of humans to gain true physical and mental strength. You can learn more about our team of personal trainers on our website, pongopower.com. When we learn how to exercise safely and effectively, we experience true freedom. On Movement, the Science of the Self, we provide you with the inspiration you need to move your body as you cultivate your own sense of identity. In joining the conversation about how we identify ourselves, Pongo Power is committed to the empowerment of each individual's right to choose. Now go out there and get some movement.